Welcome back to Psychic Eye. I'm your host, Nicole Mann. And as always, I want to thank you guys for listening. We have new listeners popping up all over the world. I love hearing your feedback and the things that you have to say. If you want to show us some support, you can drop us a few dollars um, on our Patreon page, which is patreon.podbean.com forward slash psychyourcrime. Or you can do a one-time donation on our Venmo, which is at psych-your-crime. Psych, your, and crime are all in is in capitals. The links will be down below. Now, um, we really appreciate also if you can give us five stars on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really helps us by getting us on those recommended lists. Now, um, as always, I stress this every time. I appreciate when you reach out to us. I especially want to hear from listeners in other countries so I can uh, feature crimes that happen in other countries that I may not have heard about here in the U.S. And this week we are going to take a look at the case of the Miranda family who suffer from familial folia due. And it is a case that resulted in the murder of one of the three daughters. Now we have talked about folia due before on the show. We talked about it in the Slenderman case. This is a case of familial folia due, which is the most common kind of folia due or shared psychosis, which is that amongst family members. Shared psychotic disorder of folia due is a rare delusional disorder, which is shared by two or occasionally more people with close emotional ties. An extensive review of the literature reveals cases of folia trois, quatre, or familia, all family members, and even one extraordinarily rare case which involved a dog. I have no idea how that works, but apparently it did. In the most recent update to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, which is called the DSM-5 for short, shared psychotic disorder was removed as a separate disease entity and was included in the section on other specified schizophrenic spectrum and psychotic disorders. In the updated version, the entity exists as delusional symptoms in partner of an individual with a delusional disorder. The ICD-10 diagnostic criteria for induced delusional disorder, or folia due, is one, two or more individuals who share the same delusion or delusional system and support one another in this belief. Two, they have an unusually close relationship. Three, temporal or contextual evidence exists that indicates the delusion was induced in the passive member by contact with the active member. A case of folia due in which paranoid delusions were shared by a mother and her 15-year-old son was presented. In this case, the mother was considered the dominant psychotic individual. The son was the passive recipient. The parent-child relationship, like a spousal and sibling relationship, is a very common folia due. The son was treated with medication and stabilized. Now, we discussed before when we went through the Slenderman case that there are many, many, many cases on the internet of crimes that just seem crazy and um, insane where it's a duo or a team and they are called folia due because they're so insane that they're not 
and one case that is labeled a case of foliadue but does not meet the diagnostic criteria is the case of Ursula and Sabina Eriksson. Um, Ursula and Sabina Eriksson are Swedish twin sisters who were traveling throughout Britain and they are actually throughout Europe. Um, and in May of 2008, they were in Britain. Uh, before that, they had been in Ireland and they were boarding a bus for London in Liverpool and their behavior had been bizarre after exiting the bus at a service station and the driver decided it was too bizarre and they could not allow them back on the bus. Later, the two were along the M6 motorway when traffic officers arrived to assist the women because they had been stranded they ran across the motorway as a small camera crew that were there filming something else captured it. They just jumped into traffic. Um, Ursula managed to dodge the traffic, but Sabina was hit by a car. Shortly after the police arrived, both women again dashed into traffic and were struck by vehicles. Ursula suffered serious injuries, but Sabina regained consciousness and refused medical attention and attacked a police officer, at which point she was arrested and had to be sedated. Even though she appeared calm and was but behaving unusually, Sabina was processed by police and was later released from custody. Shortly after, she was taken in by a stranger, um, a man by the name of Glenn Hollinshead, who, out of nowhere, the next day after he took her in, she stabbed to death. Sabina was pursued by the police, running from the scene, arrested, and hospitalized um, after, well, she was arrested after she was hospitalized for jumping from a bridge, you guessed it, into traffic. Despite all of this, there's no evidence of drugs or alcohol in either of the sisters, and there was no history of mental illness, psychosis, schizophrenic, any of those things in either sister before this, not in their childhood, either one. However, they were quickly deemed in the media and just it was everywhere. People were stating that they had fully ado. And it wasn't stated in their trial that they had fully due, in Sabina's trial that she had fully due. It was never stated by a doctor that she had fully due or that either of them suffered that. Um, it was just something that was claimed by media. It was something that was claimed on the internet. And they don't meet the criteria as we just stated. The diagnostics tools of fully due state. Two people share the same delusion or delusional system and support one another. We have no evidence of a delusional system or that we share. It is absolutely possible that these two girls, after having been, after having erratic behavior, being alone together in a different city, just had a breakdown after being stranded on the side of the road by a, dress, a bus driver. It's absolutely possible. I think that 
And then the second thing is that they have an unusually close relationship. Obviously they do, they trend. But the third and most important piece is temporal or contextual evidence that exists that indicates that the delusion was induced in a passive member by contact with the active partner. We have no evidence of that. There's nothing here to suggest that one influenced the other to go into a delusional state. There's nothing here that suggests just by being in proximity with each other that it caused them to become delusional. Nothing at all. So the label of folia do in this specific case, it has no standing specifically from a psychiatric point of view. There is just no evidence that that's what happened here. Um, it's fully possible that the girls were just originally scared when the police showed up and ran into traffic to get away from the police. And we may never know. Like, no one really seems to understand or know. No, the girls have never really explained their behavior. There's never really been an explanation as to what has happened. A psychiatric evaluation was done and they never really determined anything other than they were and that Sabina was suffering from psychosis. Psychosis in and of itself is not enough to be diagnosed with folia do. Um, but I say this because when I do do folia do, um, I would, I point this out because it is extraordinarily rare and there are so many, um, cases of murderers who work in teams that are mislabeled in their articles as folia do. So I always preface podcasts that involve folia do with the very specific diagnostic criteria and then i always find at least one if not multiple cases that are mislabeled on the internet and in the media as folia do because it, it's one of those things where people try and find it when it's not there because it is so exceedingly rare now vivian miranda was a single mother who lived in sayaville long island new york after her marriage ended. She and her three daughters, Serena, Charity, and Elizabeth, came to Sayaville to live with her parents. Vivian lived with her daughters in the lower part of her parents' two-family home. While Vivian was extremely close with her father, her relationship with her mother was extremely strained. Serena, her oldest daughter, was described as very polished and poised, while middle daughter, Charity, was a cheerleader with an extremely bubbly and outgoing personality. Elizabeth, the youngest, was much more reserved and had joined a dance team. Vivian got a job in a New Age wellness store, the kind that sells tarot cards and crystals. This put Vivian at odds with her mother as she was extremely religious. Her father acted as the peacekeeper much of the time, using his love of Frank Sinatra to defuse the tensions between his wife and daughter. Charity, being the more popular of the sisters, often had parties at her mother's house. Many people found Vivian to be the cool mom, since she was much more lenient, and tend to do things like give tarot readings. 
However, Emma, Vivian's mother, did not approve of these get-togethers, making the tensions even worse. In the summer of 1997, Vivian's father was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis and given just one year to live. Vivian became convinced that once her father passed away, her mother would kick her and her daughters out. Vivian became her father's sole caregiver and his painful decline became a very, very, very difficult thing for her to watch and had a profound impact on her. In her struggle to deal with her father's impending death, she turned to more and more fringe beliefs. She began to practice Santeria, even finding herself a Christian witch to teach her the ways. Vivian then began to pass the things she learned on to Serena and Elizabeth. Vivian even began seeing signs everywhere and teaching Serena to find the signs as well. Throughout all of this, Charity was pulling away by becoming more and more independent of her family. She continued to be a cheerleader, but also got herself a job at a local pizzeria, causing her to spend more time isolated away from her sisters and mother. Vivian was heavily influenced by a woman she met from Florida named Raven, who considered herself to be an expert in Santeria. Raven convinced Vivian that her mother was a dark witch and that she was casting spells against her family. Serena and Elizabeth believed it, but Charity did not. Serena and Elizabeth even broke into their grandmother's house to find evidence of this. Emma had always been a religious woman and there was a lot of religious iconography throughout her home. The only thing that the two girls could find within her house was a dollhouse that was an exact replica of the two-story home that they shared. Vivian decided that this dollhouse was being used to cast spells on her family. Once her father passed on January 8th of 1998, Vivian was convinced she no longer had anyone to protect her from her mother. She became more and more obsessed with finding signs to support her beliefs. At her father's funeral, she felt that many of the things that happened confirmed her beliefs. Charity got the mumps over the holidays and Vivian did not get her treatment, instead deciding that she was infected by magic from her mother. Such other things that she saw as signs were people at the funeral and wake of her father that she had never seen before. Vivian was convinced that these people were members of her mother's dark coven. There was a Jamaican man at the funeral dressed in traditional Jamaican wear, and Vivian decided he was there to cast spells on her children and was wearing dark ceremonial garb. Vivian and Serena stopped sleeping after the funeral. With Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth staying up and praying, Charity, in the meantime, was getting sicker and sicker as she had untreated mumps. She had lost a great deal of weight and had very little energy. While she was through the worst of it, it seemed, she was still very ill as the mumps can be deadly if untreated. When Aaron Sullivan, Charity's friend, came by to see her on January 18th, no one answered the door, 
but she and a friend heard arguing. They left a note, but heard nothing back. Vivian's brother Steve came by with his wife later that evening, and they heard chanting when they knocked on Vivian's door, but received no answer. They then went around to the entrance to his mother's apartment. They knocked, and just like Vivian's apartment, received no answer. They then decided to look in a window and were horrified to see someone laying on the floor. They immediately called the police. When police arrived, they see what they believe is a dead body in the upstairs apartment. They go around to the lower apartment and hear chanting and Frank Sinatra. No one answers when they knock, so they use a crowbar to gain entry to the house. The house is extremely dirty, dishes and food everywhere. Upon finishing the walkthrough, they find Charity on the stairs between the two apartments, topless and dead as well. They continue to hear chanting and Frank Sinatra. They finally find Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth clinging to each other, chanting in a back bedroom. The police have a difficult time separating them as they believe they separating them as they want to remove them quickly as possible as they believe they are in the middle of a crime scene. Still not sure if they are victims or assailants. In this back room, they find an altar and other Santeria paraphernalia. Once separated from her mother and sister, Serena immediately tells police when asked what happened. She simply states that her sister had a demon in her. Vivian, however, is pretty much incoherent when being interviewed and just keeps speaking gibberish over and over again. But the police were able to find Emma's journals. She describes in detail hearing her daughter and granddaughters talking about how they were convinced that they were going to kill Jerry. They referring to the demons and the coven that they were convinced that her mother were part of. And how it was their responsibility to save Charity from her grandmother. Fearing for her safety, she spent that night with her son. Convinced that the mumps were pimples, they just kept praying over her as she got sicker and sicker. Elizabeth told police that Charity guided them through the prayers, but from time to time would call out, for her grandfather. Vivian took this as confirmation of the demon or the demon speaking, asking for the dead. But as Charity was weak, sick, and possibly delirious, she really would not have been making much sense. At one point, she did try to fight back. So her sisters were told to hold her down while her mother continued to pray over her. Vivian then started to interrogate her, asking her if the demon was gone. Now, once again, she was quite possibly delirious, and she just kept saying no. She thought that she was telling her, no, the demon is not gone. And like I said, her answers probably weren't making much sense. She probably really didn't know what she was saying, but Vivian took her to be confirming that there was a demon in her. At this point, she told her daughters 
this isn't working. This is not charity anymore. So Vivian picked up a couch cushion and told Elizabeth to go in her room. Elizabeth, scared for what might be happening, tried to call police but feared the phone was too loud when she was pushing the buttons. Vivian, at first, took the cushion and tried to suffocate her daughter, but it was too difficult. So she went and got a large plastic zipper bag, the type that you that comforters come in when you first purchase them. She took it and held it over Charity's head and instructed Serena to help her smother her. Once Charity had stopped breathing, the three of them put on Frank Sinatra and started to chant, genuinely believing that Vivian's father would come back from the dead to protect them. Vivian then took the body and placed it on the stairs between the two apartments, believing it was the only way to give her mother what she wanted, the demon. Serena and Vivian were charged with first-degree murder. Elizabeth was not charged because she did not actually participate in the murder itself. Serena pled to second-degree manslaughter and made a plea deal for one to four years in jail. Vivian pled not guilty by reason of insanity. She was put in and she, after being interviewed by multiple psychiatrists, they did determine that she was mentally unfit and she was put in a secure mental health facility. Eventually she was paroled. She only ended up being put in that facility for eight years after they believed that they were able to properly treat her psychosis through a combination of therapy and medication, she was, she was paroled in the August of 1999. Now that is it for the case of the Miranda family and familial holy adieu. You'll join us again in two weeks. We're going to look into one of I'm not sure the worst or best cons, either way, um, it resulted in the murder of two people. And in the meantime, I hope you sleep better knowing the how and why people do such awful things.